From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, NextGen, it's Alana Phillips here with AJ Bishop today, the founder of My Wealth Conscious Coach. Thanks for being here with us today, AJ. Thank you so much for having me, Alana. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I am so excited. You have such an incredible story in the industry as I feel like so many folks that I I talk to that have been at different firms that have seen the changes in our industry over the past several years. I'm excited for you to share this with our next gen audience. And I'd love to start with just AJ, you know, how did you get into this industry and what are some of those roles that you have done over the course of your career here? Well, I would say that I got into the industry not by choice, but by chance. I had started right after college and I moved to a very small town where the two options were Home Depot or working in bank brokerage. So I just followed my then love of my life and was excited about a new opportunity, went into the bank at the time it was bank one and said, Hey, I don't have any banking experience, but I'm really good with people and building relationships. And what I would say is my journey has always been focused around relationships. So I've been a financial advisor. I've worked as an investment manager, a regional brokerage manager for firms like JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo Advisors and Union Bank Investment Services. And I would say that it's been an interesting now almost 17 years in the industry and looking at how much things have changed, but yet stayed the same is always something I enjoy talking about. I love it. I like that choice, not by chance. I feel like that is a little different than there are so many folks that have just fallen into this business, but it sounds like you didn't grow up assuming that you would be in this industry and envision yourself in these various roles that you've been in. No, I I wanted to be a veterinarian. I went to (laughs) Purdue University and had my sights on becoming a vet, but my junior year, I realized I did not want to stay in school any longer. So I switched over to business and I was always great at math. Science and math were always my two favorite subjects. And if I really think back, I've always loved money. Like I used to play Monopoly all the time as a kid. I did, you know, lemonade stands. I started working when I was 14. So I've always understood the value of money, the in and out flow of it. And so investing was something that really caught my interest because I was also a banker for a small amount of time, a licensed banker. But giving financial advice is something that I found I could find a real meaning and purpose in different than what I had expected, right? Like I kind of went in thinking, oh, I'll do this for a couple of years, but then I really enjoyed being with people and talking about their financial goals and their financial dreams. There is a lot of meaning and purpose in our business, obviously. You know, a veterinarian sort of becomes a, a more obvious choice when you're thinking about that as a young person. So I asked that question, AJ, just because I think there are so many, especially women out there, that wouldn't necessarily consider this industry because we don't preach that message of meaning and purpose in our industry or, you know, what you can really do to help people. So I use the expression often in our business, and maybe this is true of you, that that it's not always like a ladder. It's more like a a jungle gem, right? There's sort of this moving all over the place and, and into different roles. 
what are some of those things that that you have done in this industry, starting in the bank, it sounds like, and moving into different roles? How did that progress? I love the idea of a jungle gym because that's exactly what my career has been. And that's honestly why I think I stayed as long as I did because I'm the type of person I love to learn new things. And then I also get bored. So I was a banker for a couple of years. I was a financial advisor during 08. So that was right exciting and adventurous and overcoming right? Like a lot of fears candidly about what was happening within the market, but also being new to the industry myself and feeling like I had a learning curve while my clients were in financial right distress. And so after learning really what people, right? People tell you exactly what they want. That's what I love about the financial services industry. If you ask the right questions, they'll tell you exactly what they want. And so I just have always had the ability to ask great questions. And when the opportunity came up for me to move into a leadership role, I was just barely in my 20s, maybe mid to late 20s. And I took the leap because I knew that I could have a bigger impact on the clients that I wanted to serve ultimately. And so I moved all over within JP Morgan Chase. I ran Northern Arizona. I ran Seattle when... Chase took over WAMU, and then I was recruited to Wells Fargo Advisors. And from there, if anything, my knowledge of the industry completely expanded because I was working with the private bank. I got to learn about trust and fiduciary services. I got to learn about private lending, which really wasn't something that I had to deal with on a day-to-day basis in a branch. And so I've always loved how, even though the financial industry feels so narrow, it actually really is broad and you can do so much within, right? With a securities license, you can do so many things that are valuable, that are fun, whether that's you want to lead others or lead a small team to just helping clients. And so that's why I've always enjoyed being able to work within the industry because not a lot of industries you can say you can move around like that. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, AJ. And you said, you know, you love to learn and you get bored easily. And I know I have that challenge also. And I think for some of the folks coming into this business, right, they think about this role of a financial advisor, insurance agent, like you kind of have to establish yourself and get through those first couple of terrible years. And, and, and it's hard to think about being in that same role in the same place 10 years from now as you're building a business, but you really don't have to, right? You could move into leadership roles like you have, you could move into other areas of financial services and you have that flexibility. So I know you've coached people on that, right? In your different roles and helping them to get into the right places. You said a lot of positive things, but what were some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Yeah, I think you actually just spoke to it. Those first couple of years as an advisor are the grind, right? Like there were days where I was questioning, I'm like, what am I doing? Like I could go work at the gap and right. Just have fun doing this and not have to worry. Like there's a stress, right? Like there's a stress that you carry when you manage individuals money. And specifically when I was a financial advisor, right. It was during OA. And so there was the stress of the job, but then also the reality of the people who were investing with me had a trust. So I would say that there's moments that feel very slow right? Like whether that's you ramping up in a business because you just started and there's days you want to give up to, right? Clients being terrified of the market. There are those moments where 
I know I personally was like, I I don't want to do this anymore. And then I would always remember that there was someone who actually really needed my help and my support in a way that no one else could do it. Right. And that's ultimately what I always taught and was a cheerleader for with all of my financial advisors and teams is, yeah, we all have the same products and services, but no one is you. And you are the person who gets to steward these clients' financial dreams and goals. And that is a very noble career. That's a great point, AJ. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. AJ, there are a lot of new financial professionals that, you know, after coming out of a, a pandemic year, if they were in their first few years, it feels like this was one of those moments, right? Where it feels slow. It's a 2008 sort of a a feeling, maybe a little less dramatic in some ways, but it has been, I think, a time for each of them to go, oh my God, I should go get a job at the Gap and I'd make more money doing that probably, right? So I guess with that experience that you had, and especially going through 2008, 2009, what advice do you have for the folks that are feeling that in today's current situation with what we've been through the past year? Yeah, I would say right now is a very unique opportunity in our industry as a whole. We've seen the shift to online, whether that's robo-advisors, Fidelity, Vanguard. And I think people want more now than ever is connection, right? Like they actually really want human being connection. And so I think advisors in the chair have a huge opportunity right now to start rebuilding relationships if you didn't already have the relationship or to deepen a relationship with the client because they have finances on their mind, right? Like I can't tell you my neighbors are asking me advice, right? The women in the grocery store are asking my advice. People want to know what to do more than ever, and they're not as afraid to ask the questions anymore. So don't go get a job at the Gap right now then. Don't do it. I know they're hiring, but don't do it. (laughs) Which is good. I'm glad we're seeing retail hiring folks back. So, you know, we talk about often the changes in this industry. And again, you've seen a lot of these, AJ. There's a lot of stuff that has not changed, but what are some of the things that you have seen change in a positive way? Well, I think what I've seen change positively is this idea of teaming, right? Whether that's a financial advisor at an independent or wirehouse or a bank brokerage, this idea of going to meet clients' needs as a team is something I 100% agree with. I was a team sport player. I was a cheerleader, right? Like I've always been, I remember being lonely as a financial advisor, right? Like that's what I remember the most about it is how lonely at times it felt. And so I love that there's this teaming approach that's been around for a long time, but I really feel like that's the way of the future is no longer solo entrepreneur. Your team could be perhaps you and another financial advisor or you and your wealth associate or your financial associate. It could be a banker if you're in the branch, or it could be you and like a planner or even sometimes your leader, right? So when I went into leadership, I absolutely loved going to client meetings with my advisors because it was just another ear. It was just another 
perspective that I could give back to my financial advisors because we only have two ears, right? And although we have one mouth, four ears is better always, always, right? So I love that teaming is really becoming the way of the future and it gives more work-life balance, which I could talk about for a whole other, right, 45 minutes. But the reason why most people become a financial advisor is because there's a lot of freedom in it. And so if you are part of a team, your team can step in when you want to go on vacation or when you're out of the office. I would say that was always the one thing I would see is financial advisors really struggle taking time to relax and take time for themselves, which is so needed. I think it's all great advice. It's funny, AJ, I drew a little doodle that I put on LinkedIn of a lonely advisor island. You know, if you're living on lonely advisor island, little stick figure on an island, like it's time to have some friends, right? Get that, get into a team situation because I think that is a positive change. So I know we're going to get into AJ, some of your advice for new folks and, you know, building their business in those first few years. But to wrap up our discussion here from your advice and, and the years of experience that you've had in our business. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing today? You know, this evolution into my wealth conscious coach and what that really means. Yeah. So after spending a lot of time in corporate America, I had the opportunity to take some time off during COVID. And because I'm used to being part of the hustle, as I like to call it, I was naturally being asked questions and I thought, well, how can I create community around wealth? And so My Wealth Conscious Coach is a community of women specific. I call them breadwinning women because they're my people, right? Like I've always been the breadwinner as well. And we talk through both wealth management topics as well as money mindset. Because what I'm finding, and I've always found when I work with women, whether that was when I was a financial advisor or I'd speak at events, is that women have a different way of relating to money than men. And I think it's so important now more than ever for women to be comfortable talking about money in ways that mean something to them, not necessarily the way that we think we should talk to them. So I work with women in becoming confident and clear on what their financial values are. We talk a lot about how to pick out a financial advisor, what to look for, and the importance of financial planning as well as legacy planning, because a lot of these women are busy running their businesses or their CEOs of major companies, and it's just not something they have time to think about. So it's a lot of fun. The conversations get really deep and meaningful and I'm enjoying that tremendously. I love it. I asked this question, AJ, just because, I mean, one, this is so important. And I think that what you're doing is so cool that, you know, we're having these conversations with women and empowering them. And we're, you know, part of this discussion, you know, we're half the population and we've always been niche for some reason, but even more so for our audience to hear You've had a very full career in leadership positions as an advisor, you know, other areas of our industry. And now you get to recreate again, what you want your day to day to look like and what your focus is. And I think that that messaging for next gen folks of just how much flexibility you have in this industry to be new and learn new things and do new things all the time is so important. So AJ, thank you for sharing your advice. And we're looking forward to continuing to hear your advice and building a business in our next episodes. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.